Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights. The podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Sassiri. Welcome to Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. My name is Laura Sassiri. I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights, and this podcast is designed for supply chain leaders globally. I want to be sure to be able to help leaders to gain first market advantage. In this podcast series, I'm interviewing first and second generation supply chain pioneers to ask them the key questions about what advice do they have for the changing generations and how can we make supply chain careers more successful. Today, I'm interviewing John Sicard. John is one of my very favorite technology leaders. John and I met about 2012 when I was an analyst at Gartner, and he has been very successful in his leadership with Canaxis. John, welcome to the show, and tell the group a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Laura. It is always a distinct pleasure when I have the opportunity to spend time with you. Um, so yeah, I'm a, a little bit about myself. I'm a software engineer by training, but I would say I'm a software engineer that fell in love with this discipline, you know, some 30 years ago. Uh, growing up, there's a television show here in Canada called How It's Made on PBS, and it would just, you know, show, show you how the most mundane things that you consume are made. They never told you how they were distributed, but I was always fascinated by uh, how complex, you know, the simplest of devices uh, were to fabricate and ultimately be delivered for consumption. And so I've always loved the craft. You know, I I still am. I think, you know, there's never been a better time, in fact, to be in supply chain than than today. So um, I'm also a musician. For those who know me best know that I'm most comfortable behind a set of drums wailing away at, I don't know, a Foo Fighters song or something like that. I'm a pretty heavy, heavy rock and drummer. And I love that, you know, your office has those sticks behind you. And I imagine that you drum quite a bit. So John, when you look back at your career in supply chain, what insights would you have about your experience and what you've learned for people entering the craft or the space, so to speak? Well, first, I would say it is a it's a craft that most people take for granted, maybe less so now. And we can we can chat a little bit about the maybe the, the silver lining areas of COVID as it relates to supply chain. But for most people, this craft is is uh, taken for granted. You know, people go about their days consuming necessities and niceties, but even necessities without an understanding of what it actually takes to source, manufacture, and and distribute what the the world consumes on a daily basis, especially necessities. And so, you know, the other thing I've learned is 
you know, I, I remember, you know, thinking way back, and maybe this takes us back to, to the AMR days, thinking about how supply chain affects the health of the planet. And again, I think back then, some 20 years ago, 15 years, 20 years ago, people didn't necessarily think about this discipline as having a profound impact on the health of the planet. You know, they thought about mostly in commercial terms. Well, I think that's changed a lot. And people now look at it as, you know, supply chain has, I would say, I don't know of another discipline, in fact, that has a more pronounced impact on the health of the planet itself. And so it's now becoming a lot more than just about the, the sourcing, manufacturing and distribution of necessities and niceties. You know, it's, it's becoming about how, you know, what do we do to ensure that we do no harm while we source, manufacture and distribute, you know, these goods? Well, John, I think those are two great insights. One, that most people take supply chains for granted, and two, supply chains can save the world. And I'm hoping that, you know, supply chain leaders of the next generation do just that. But when you think back about your career, what made you successful? Well, I think there's a there's a few things that I look back on that, you know, to some degree don't have much to do with supply chain uh, at all, but more, more, I'd say, learnings. Everything I've ever learned has been through the generosity of others. You know, I tell, you know, every employee, in fact, you know, anybody who listened to me, frankly, <laughs> uh, you know, that when you stop learning, you start dying. And so every day you're a student, every day for your entire life, you should be, you should have the perspective of being a student. But with each passing day, and as you gain in knowledge and wisdom, you become a pretty important teacher also. You're a student and a teacher. And so I, I learned that lesson first to be a you know, to be a gracious and a, th a thankful student, I'd say. Maybe that's the best term. You know, when somebody teaches you a thing, it's a kindness they offer you. And so you should, you should be an appreciative student every day. If somebody takes the time to teach you a thing that you don't know. It could be something about leadership. It could be something technical. It could, it could be something about business. It could be anything at all. But you should be gracious and, and thankful for that. Thank people, you know. Uh, but all, you know, the other thing I've come to, to learn throughout my career is, you know, to be a generous teacher, hide nothing. It's the only way humanity progresses is if you have professionals who, you know, build careers like you and I and share everything, hide nothing, you know, leave it all behind, pay it all forward. You know, I, those are, that's probably the, the biggest lesson I've learned in my career. And so I've, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been blessed with having learned from some amazing people who have, you know, basically have hidden nothing from me. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I thank them. I'm, I am not who I am without them. And now I feel like, you know, the stage of my career, my job is to pay it all forward. I'm still learning for sure. But I, I do my very best to practice being a generous teacher also. So, John, I do love the fact you're a consummate learner. Where and how do you learn? You know, I, uh, I, I love having conversations, especially with people that I've only just met, uh, because it's almost like they're, you know, I, every person I meet, I feel like they're a, uh, almost a, a vessel of new knowledge you know, and experiences. 
that I can that I can tap into, but also you know obviously reciprocate with everything that I've all uh, come to learn. And so I I um I do my best to reach out and and be very open to talk to as many professionals as uh, as I can. Uh, you know I am a I'd say you know consummate innovator. I'm always you know looking to to challenge the status quo. Always looking to you know push the boundaries of of the art of the possible. I've realized that you can it's very difficult if if not impossible to do that autonomously. You have to do it in concert with collaborators. And so, you know, I you know, I tend to learn through discussion with other people more so than reading. Now I do a lot of research, but that isn't you know, that isn't the best way for me to learn. As you and I both know, Laura, and you I we at the end of our our phone calls, I often say, you know, could have kept going, <laughs> you know, we go for an hour and I could have kept going because time just flies when you're, when you're riffing off of, off of somebody, um, somebody else and, and going back and forth. So, you know, I, um, I encourage people, you know, to learn that way because the other thing it gives you is, it, well, the side effect of having dialogue with another human being is getting to know that other human being. So John, many people don't know how to have that conversation with someone they don't know. How do you do that? Because I find that many times people come to those conversations and they want to talk and they're not very good at listening. And my observation to you about you is you're a good listener. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Laura. And yeah, I think uh, if you're, if your ears are shut, then, well, it's impossible to learn, first of all. Right, you you can't learn a thing if you're not listening for it. Just that's just a you know that's just the way I, I think about it. And so if your motive is if your motive is to learn, and I go back to you know that that statement when you stop learning you start dying. Okay, well I have a motivation to learn, I have a thirst to learn. It, that starts there. What's your prime motive? If your motive is to learn, then listening is the skill you, you must develop. You know, you, it becomes impossible if your ears are shut. So that's number one. But I'd say even before that, it starts with having, you know, a genuine interest in the experiences and knowledge of others. You know, every one of the things I do at Canaxis is I meet every new employee, every single one as we hire them. And we hired almost 500 people in 2020. So now I don't meet them one-on-one, -on -one, but I meet every single person because I want to establish at least, you know, plant the roots of some trust between uh, people. And it starts just with a, a conversation, not about exchanging knowledge, but exchanging, I'd say, I, you know, just exchanging personal stories. You can't trust people you don't know, and you can't know people unless you spend honest time with them. So start with that endeavor. Spend some honest time with a person. Get to know who they are as people, not what they've done or what they know, but you start just by who they are. And that's the first, I'd say, bridge. You know, it's like a trust bridge that you start to build. And once that's there, it opens up the opportunity then to start sharing knowledge and wisdom that you've collected and, and vice versa. But I honestly, I think it starts with just having a genuine interest in in the lives of other people and who they are, and I use those words deliberately, who they are, not what they've done, not their LinkedIn profile and what school they went to, but who they are as people. 
And if you can start building that kind of a trust bridge, then it opens up the opportunity for, you know, a wide open discussion on and a wide open exchange of knowledge and wisdom. Also, my observation about you, John, is unlike a lot of other technology leaders, you're more humble. I think you're more genuinely interested in what others have to say. And, you know, your ability to listen and your ability to be humble and your natural curiosity, I think, is my observation served you well. Any thoughts about that? Well, I, I learned, um, uh, and, and I know you know this story, you know, 25 years ago, my youngest son was diagnosed with autism. And back then, autism was a, well, it wasn't as understood as it is today. I learned that a valuable lesson on that day that, you know, first, whatever happens at work will never be more important than what happens at home. You, you really understand what it is to be human, I guess, when you're faced with conditions like that. And I think that, you know, has certainly helped me you know, understand, you know, perhaps the, the underlying formula for humanity, the simple pursuit of joy. It's the one thing I, I think all of that, that unites all of humans around the world, regardless of age or geography or religious background or gender or any of those things, is that simple pursuit of joy. And if you can anchor your, anchor your life on that simple equation, it's not like, what have you done and where have you gone and what school have you done and, you know, what are you, what are you wearing? And none of those things actually matter. You know, it's it's the simple pursuit of joy. Then I think it is a way um, to maintain some humility. The other thing, I, a lesson I learned a long time ago from someone else, again, it was the generosity of somebody else, told me that, you know, to be human is to be imperfect. And so you should apologize for at least one thing every day, right? If you, I mean, Jesus didn't live a perfect day. And if you apologize for any misgiving, maybe you, you, were short, you were short with a spouse or you forgot to call a, a co-worker or whatever, um, if you apologize for those things, then you're more likely to, you know, you're more likely to remain humble. So I think great wisdom there. Let's continue to learn. Let's be humble. Let's listen. Let's pursue the joy in life. And let's be sure we have the right balance. And... You know, I had to laugh, John, the last time I was in Canada, which it's been way too long, right? You know, yeah, uh, I remember. Your, your son, who's autistic, actually met me at the door and uh, took me up the elevator. And it was great to see him so gainfully employed at Canaxis. You've done a great job for people that are on the spectrum and helping to be a leader uh, to help people of all brain types to find meaningful work. Let's shift gears. You, you know, you and I have both had a great opportunity to work with supply chain leaders globally. And, you know, one of the things that I find fascinating in my 20 years as an analyst is watching people that I mentored in two decades ago, you know, assume leadership positions. And I'm curious what you think matters in the people that are able to really drive forward and what your observation is from watching people mature in their jobs. What does it take? What's the right kind of combination of things that people should think about as they think about becoming a supply chain leader? Well, I, there's a couple of thoughts there that I have, uh, one about the craft itself and, and one of them about successful leadership in this craft. You know, I, maybe I'll, I'll talk about the leadership angle first. Uh, first, I would say that I've, I've watched some, some great leaders and I've learned some great things about what it takes 
to succeed. And one of the things I've come to realize is there's the team you're on and there's the team you lead. You know, a lot of people don't think that way. You know, if you ask an executive, who are the key players on your team? They often look at their feet. They think about the team that they lead, not the team they're on. And supply chain is a team sport. You, you know, as an executive, it is by definition a collaborative sport. And so you have to start thinking about your team members as being adjacent to you, not necessarily beneath you as you like, oh, this is the, this is the team that I lead. So this, I have director, I have this. No, no, no. The teams in supply chain are, are most likely adjacent, are, well, not most likely, they are going to be adjacent to you. It'll be the commercial team, the financial team, the, the product team that you work in concert with. And, and it's often forgotten. People tend to think about, oh, I'm now, you know, the senior VP or, or, or whatever. And they start thinking about their team as being, you know, their org chart, not the horizontal side. So I would, the first thing I would say is, you know, start thinking about your new context, the team, the team you lead and the team you're on. And this comes back to another valuable lesson is the, the greatest teams in the world, if you think of sports teams, these are individuals that know each other extremely well. This is where, you know, if it's hockey, you can see the blind pass working every time because I just know where my teammates are going to be. We know each other so well. We can finish each other's sentences. Well, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. So anybody ascending to a leadership role should proactively get to know their teammates, the ones that are adjacent to them, the ones that they lead, the, you know, their own org charts, well, they'll get to know them quite naturally. But uh, it takes a lot of work and effort and proactivity to get to know your adjacent um, team members. As it relates to the craft itself, you know, one of, and I come back to um, a statement I made earlier about COVID, I think that uh, supply chain has never been more relevant. I think every board is asking every CEO, what are you going to do next time? What are you going to do next time? And of course, the CEOs often are not supply chain practitioners. So they're turning around and swiveling in their chair and they're asking the chief supply chain officer. So what are we going to do next time? You know, <laughs> and so we're we're at a pivotal moment where the discipline is reflecting on itself. It's 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 reflecting. How did we get here? You know, and realizing that what got us past the last 30 years may not survive the next three. You know, that, that you know, clearly the methods and the, and, the, and the procedures that are in place are not necessarily conducive to the agility required to absorb the volatility of the planet, the volatility of life, you know, that, that, um, that we all live in. And so I would, you know, I think I would, uh, my advice would be to frame the next decade as being one of, you know, setting the right, setting the paths, setting the, the, the right technique for generations to come, you know, leave it better than you got it. You're, you're charting a course for the next 30 years. This is absolutely pivotal and transformational. So it's, it's almost a, you know, rub your eyes, let the colors settle. And, you know, if you were to do this all again, how would you design the governance model? Um, so it, it is a, I think, a, a wildly exciting time for this discipline, and and I think there's there's a way to frame it as generational shift. This isn't incrementalism; it's a generational shift forward.
I know, and I'm so excited about what that generational shift will be. But let me go back and build on what I think is a really important point you made about the team you lead and the team you're on. You know, as a supply chain leader, I was much better at leading the team that I directly managed, and I was very poor at managing the team I was on. And one of the things that I really had to think about is what is teamwork? Because a lot of times people will say, ah, you know, just be a better team member, but teams come in all different shapes and flavors, you know, from a hockey team to a swim team and, you know, really understanding the people and appreciating their strengths and their weaknesses is a skill that I learned the hard way, John. And how do people learn uh, that so they don't get the hard knocks that Laura got? Yeah, it's, you know, I think it starts, um, as I said before, getting to know people for who they are and not what they've done. It starts there, I think, because it's, you know, I, I'd say it's a, it's a focus on humanity as opposed to skill. And, and it develops, um, I'd say, something that might be lacking in our, you know, you know, in some cases in, in, in this generation. And it's, uh, it's empathy, empathy for the human condition and for others you know when you when you know a person you're you're more likely to um to empathize with their strengths and and weaknesses if you don't know them you might not you might not accept their weaknesses let's just say you'd be less than generous you know and it's you know we all have them you know i you know i i know ex we all have them like, as i said to be human is to be imperfect so so life is just about recognizing those things and and recognizing um that we're, you know, a team of imperfect humans attempting to achieve greatness together. Now, you know, I think that it starts uh, with motive and it's important to establish motive with your teammates early on. That's a great anchor, you know, by the way. And I, even at, at Canaxis, I say this all the time, no one should celebrate a hat trick when the team loses four to three. It's one of my sayings, right? No one celebrates a hat trick when the team loses four to three. If you have a teammate like that, they don't belong on the team. And um, if you if you can anchor on that motive, I think it does make you know it does make the collaboration that much easier with your adjacent teammates. But it does take proactivity, right? Because people tend like if you're in the inventory world and I manage inventory, well, that's my context. I know it. I'm an expert. And I'm measured on, you know, inventory optimization or whatever the, you know, whatever the, the KPIs are that, uh, you know, and that's how I think about it. So I don't necessarily think about the team, the team metrics, but I think that has to change. I mean, you know, supply chain is by definition a team sport and the teams that win are the ones that finish each other's sentences. The teammates finish each other's sentences. Yeah, I, I, at least that's what I have seen. There's great collaboration between teammates. But I think, you know, anchor on motive first. You know, as the only female on many of my early teams, I had a big chip on my shoulder, right? It was hard for me to align on motive. Uh, and I was very hard working and didn't really spend enough time getting to know people as people. And I think that's great feedback. Anything you would give for advice for people that are diversity listening, you know, people of color, women, about how to get the chip off their shoulder? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right before this call, I was actually on a, our, our uh, DEI, um, diversity, equity, inclusion 
team that, uh, and they were briefing me on all of the, the wonderful things that they were doing at Canaxis. So, you know, I first, you know, it's difficult to um, it's difficult to 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 get into an individual's head, say, and and uh, help them see or recognize, you know, how how they should perceive others. You know, I I think society is in general getting better and better every day. I, I believe that. I choose to believe the positivity in, in human nature. I think the evidence is there. You have to choose to see it. Is it perfect? Of course not. You know, I, I, you know, I think 100 years from now, we will be better still, but still not perfect. You know, it's, it's an ever-evolving, humanity is ever-evolving in different parts of the world. But I would say it starts first with believing in oneself and you know being fearless and i think this is true of anybody um you know be fearless with with what you know be fearless in fact with your what you don't know especially in leadership i've realized this a lot of you know another common derailer when people when people ascend to leadership positions is they assume they're supposed to know everything the truth in is and you know i've definitely come to realize this in my careers that you know, as your career progresses, the less you know, and the more humble you have to be, you have to, you, you know, you have to leverage the intellect and the wisdoms of other of of, uh, of others. And so, you know, I think society is definitely uh, getting better. As I said, when I think of, about diversity, and you mentioned this, you know, we extend well beyond, I'd say the the, the more commonly um, expressed diversity categories into neurodiversity. And you start to really realize then, you know, everybody is quite unique. The other thing you realize is, um, and this is, I think, societal, we are so much stronger together. You know, humanity was not designed to live in isolation. This is what is making COVID, you know, so difficult. We're just not designed to live in isolation. We're, we're designed to live stronger together. Well, John, thanks for some great nuggets. Uh, I appreciate you being on our podcast series today. Anything you want to close with before we leave the audience? Well, if you're considering a career in supply chain, I'd say there hasn't been a better time in three decades to join. I think that, you know, the people who are joining this craft today will experience, well, not only experience, they will be part of establishing a generational shift in what governs the planet's supply chain. And the byproduct of that, while it will certainly serve humanity, but more importantly, I, you know, it, it will be a massive improvement on the environment. If we do this well, Laura, you know, we will, um, we will have a, a profound impact on the health of the planet we live on. Well, thank you, John, and thanks for joining Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. And I welcome everyone to listen to the entire series of business leaders reflecting on what it takes to be able to drive a successful career in supply chain. Until next time, thank you. My name is Laura Ciceri, and I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights, and I want to give you a personal invitation to join this year's Supply Chain Insights Global Summit. Now in its eighth year of doing this conference, we designed this for a unique experience for supply chain leaders to learn from technology leaders to think differently and drive new outcomes. We're hoping that you can make it on September 7th through the 9th in Franklin, Tennessee. 
In the conference, we handpick all of the speakers and we design the conference for a unique networking experience so that you leave to build a guiding coalition for change. We hope to see you there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.